Hello, and welcome to the Hurricane Utah Adult Religion Class, sponsored by the Hurricane Utah North Stake of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. My name is Mike Parker. I'm the instructor for the class. The Hurricane Utah Adult Religion Class meets on Thursday evenings between September and May to discuss the scriptures of the restored Church of Jesus Christ. If you live in or are visiting the Hurricane St. George area, I'd love to have you join us. Links to the class website are available in the show notes for this video. On the website, you can download my notes, which includes footnotes documenting my sources, this PowerPoint slide presentation, and handouts that I distribute in class. Please note that this YouTube channel and the class website are not official sites of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Hurricane Utah North Stake, or any other church unit or department. I alone am responsible for these sites and the materials on them. If you enjoy this lesson, please feel free to subscribe to be notified when new content is posted to this channel. Let's begin by introducing the key individuals in this lesson. Lehi, he was a prophet called to preach in Jerusalem around 597 BC. Sariah was Lehi's wife and the mother of their four sons. Laman was Lehi and Sariah's eldest son. Lemuel was their second son. Sam was their third son. And Nephi was Lehi and Sariah's fourth and youngest son. He is also the author of the text we are going to study. Laban was a prominent inhabitant of Jerusalem, a relative of Lehi, and custodian of the plates of brass. Zoram was Laban's slave and keeper of the keys of Laban's treasury. And finally, Ishmael. He was a prominent inhabitant of Jerusalem and father of five daughters and at least two sons. The outline of events for this lesson. In chapters 1 and 2 of 1 Nephi, God called Lehi to be a prophet. He prophesied in Jerusalem before fleeing into the wilderness with his family. In chapters 3 through 5, we'll read how Lehi's sons returned to Jerusalem to obtain the brass plates from Laban. In chapters 6 and 9, Nephi describes the records the Lord commanded him to create. And then finally in chapter 7, Lehi's sons returned to Jerusalem again and persuaded Ishmael and his family to join them on their journey. On their way back to Lehi's camp, some of Ishmael's sons and daughters joined Laman and Lemuel in a rebellion against Nephi. The setting for this lesson is the city of Jerusalem and the area just south of it toward the Red Sea. Around 597 BC, a little bit of background on what got us to this point. The nation of Judah had been on her own for 125 years. The Assyrian Empire had deported the 10 northern tribes around 721 BC after they rebelled against Assyrian rule. Some northern Israelites escaped south to Judah before the Assyrian removal. Lehi was of the tribe of Manasseh, so his ancestors must have either been refugees from the north or northerners who had settled outside of their tribal homelands before the Assyrian threat. His wealth and the size of his estate seemed to indicate the latter. The Assyrian Empire fell to the Babylonians around 612 BC. 
This created a power vacuum that Egypt and Judah exploited by asserting their independence. The Babylonians put down these rebellions by defeating Egypt in 605 and Judah in 602. Five years later, Judah rebelled again. In response, the Babylonians besieged Jerusalem, plundered the temple, and deported many of the elite and skilled Jews to Babylon. The Babylonians installed Zedekiah of Judah as a puppet ruler. Nephi's story began around 597, during the first year of the reign of Zedekiah. The Lord sent many prophets who warned that Jerusalem would be destroyed if its wicked people did not repent. The Old Testament indicates that the people of Judah persecuted and killed these prophets. These prophets included Jeremiah, who was in prison when Lehi left Jerusalem, and possibly Habakkuk. The heading to 1 Nephi is a translation from the small plates of Nephi and is therefore part of the scriptural text of the Book of Mormon. Nephi wrote the Book of 1 Nephi around 570 BC after his family had arrived in the Promised Land and nearly three decades after the events he described in the book. His record of these events was an abridgment of his father's own record, which we do not have. Nephi's account consisted of the learning of the Jews and the language of the Egyptians. He was apparently writing in the Hebrew language, but using a modified Egyptian script, probably because this script was more compact than Hebrew characters. Nephi described his father and mother as goodly parents. Lehi knew of the brass plates and was able to read them. His son Nephi was also familiar enough with metallurgy that he was able to identify the quality of Laban's sword and make his own plates from gold ore. These evidences may indicate that Lehi was a metalworker, perhaps one who traveled and traded to support his profession. Lehi's first vision, like many other revelations, came in response to sincere prayer. There appeared a pillar of fire that dwelt upon a rock before Lehi. Israelites called the visible symbol of God's presence the Shekinah. It manifested itself as a fiery pillar. Lehi's vision is comparable to Moses' experience at the burning bush, the glory of the Lord that led Israel in the wilderness and filled the Temple of Solomon, the pillar of light Joseph Smith saw at the commencement of his first vision, and other divine manifestations. After receiving this vision, Lehi went home and cast himself on his bed, where he had a second vision in the form of a dream. Lehi's vision was a throne theophany. He was taken into heaven, where he saw God sitting at the head of his heavenly council. Throne theophanies are very common in ancient and modern scripture. He saw God sitting upon his throne, surrounded with numberless concourses of angels, in the attitude of singing and praising their God. He then saw one who was the Messiah, or Christ. He also saw 12 others. This last reference was clearly to Jesus' apostles or disciples, but which 12 did Lehi see? The 12 apostles from Jesus' New Testament ministry? The 12 Nephite disciples chosen from Lehi's descendants? Or were they symbolic of the 12 in all ages? The text doesn't really tell us. 
The first of the twelve gave Lehi a scroll to read. It was full of the sins of the people of Jerusalem and their coming destruction. The book symbolizes Lehi being called to prophesy for the Lord. In similar visions had by Ezekiel and John the Revelator, they received books when they were called as prophets by heavenly messengers. As Lehi read the book, he cried out, Woe, woe unto Jerusalem, for I have seen thy abominations. In the Old Testament, a woe is a distinctive form of prophetic speech that is often found accompanying an accusation or threat, which immediately preceded an announcement of judgment. It is an intense outburst of invective directed against wrongdoers, conveying a note of threat, which is then more fully spelled out in the pronouncement that follows. Why did Lehi go from woes as he was reading to rejoicing in God's mercy after he finished reading? Possibly because he understood the destruction of Jerusalem in the context of the Lord's larger plan, which included the atonement of Christ. Lehi then had a very brief ministry in Jerusalem. Like the other prophets of his day, the people of Jerusalem tried to kill Lehi because he condemned their sins and their wickedness. Nephi told us the readers not to worry at this point, because he intended to show us through this story that the tender mercies of the Lord are over all those whom he hath chosen because of their faith, to make them mighty even unto the power of deliverance. He showed the Lord's mercies by describing how the Lord blessed Lehi and delivered him from the threats to his life. Nephi explained that the Lord commanded my father, even in a dream, that he should take his family and depart into the wilderness. And it came to pass that he was obedient unto the word of the Lord, wherefore he did as the Lord commanded him. The phrase, into the wilderness, was Nephi's subtle way of connecting his family's experience to the experience of Moses, whom the Lord commanded to take the children of Israel three days' journey into the wilderness, that they may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Nephi would make the connection between his own experience and Moses' experience several more times. Nephi concluded this part of his narrative by telling us that his father was obedient unto the word of the Lord. Obedience is also a recurring theme in Nephi's story. Lehi fled Jerusalem and went south into the wilderness of the Arabian Peninsula. He and his family traveled to the shore of the Red Sea and then went an additional three days along the coast to a valley where they offered a sacrifice in thanks to the Lord. Nephi described the place where they stopped as a firm and steadfast valley with a river that was continually running into the Red Sea. Lehi named the river after his eldest son, Laman, and the valley after his second son, Lemuel, in the hopes that doing so would inspire them to be righteous and keep the Lord's commandments. One of the best candidates for the Valley of Lemuel is Wadi Taib al-Asim, a narrow, steep canyon in northwestern Arabia that has a river that empties year-round into the Red Sea. It's about three days' journey, 75 miles by camel, if we begin measuring from the southern border of Israel. 
it's at this point in the narrative that we're introduced to Lehi's two eldest sons, Laman and Lemuel. Nephi repeatedly went out of his way to contrast himself with his two eldest brothers. While Laman and Lemuel knew not the dealings of God, Nephi tells us he had a great desires to know the mysteries of God. Nephi wrote of the hardness of the hearts of his brethren, but he wrote that he prayed and the Lord did soften my heart. I find that statement particularly intriguing. 1 Nephi chapter 2, verse 16 suggests that Nephi's heart was initially not soft, but only became so after Nephi did cry unto the Lord and the Lord did visit him. Was Nephi uncertain at first of his father's claims? If so, what does that tell us about our own struggles with doubt? Nephi's older brothers murmured against their father and would not hearken to their younger brother, but Nephi did not rebel against his father. Nephi did, however, convince his older brother Sam to be obedient to their father. It's at this point that the Lord made a covenant with Nephi. From 1 Nephi chapter 2, verses 19 through 21, we read, And it came to pass that the Lord spake unto me, saying, Blessed art thou, Nephi, because of thy faith, for thou hast sought me diligently with lowliness of heart. And inasmuch as ye shall keep my commandments, ye shall prosper, and shall be led to a land of promise, yea, even a land which I have prepared for you, yea, a land which is choice above all other lands. And inasmuch as thy brethren shall rebel against thee, they shall be cut off from the presence of the Lord. This is the first time that the text of the Book of Mormon makes a connection between obedience and divine blessings. This will be repeated frequently throughout the book. The Lord's promises are conditional upon us making a sincere effort to follow his commandments. As we're going to see, however, when the Lord blesses his people because of their obedience, all too often they stop being obedient. Lehi had another dream in which the Lord commanded him to send his sons back to Jerusalem to retrieve a set of engraved brass plates kept by a man named Laban. Lehi said these plates contained the record of the Jews and also a genealogy of his forefathers. So who was Laban? Nephi didn't tell us much about Laban, but we can surmise from the text that he was a wealthy, politically connected individual. He may have been a military leader, he commanded 50 men, wore armor, and possessed a very expensive sword that seems to have been more ceremonial or decorative than designed primarily for combat. Laban was also related to Lehi in some way and kept a history of their extended family on the brass plates. Nephi's response to his father's instructions is one of the most important passages in the Book of Mormon. I've formatted this portion of the text so you can see its parallel poetic structure the passage is chiastic in the pattern of A, B, C, C prime, B prime, A prime. The concepts in each line are repeated in the matching line. I've underlined them so you can identify them more easily. 1 Nephi chapter 3, verses 7 through 8. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, said unto my father, I will go and do the things which the Lord hath commanded. For I know that the Lord giveth no commandments unto the children of men, save he shall prepare a way for them, that they may accomplish the thing which he commandeth them. 
And it came to pass that when my father had heard these words, he was exceedingly glad, for he knew that I had been blessed of the Lord. It isn't just Nephi's obedience that's important here. It's also his teaching that the Lord does not give us commandments unless he prepares a way for us to accomplish them. For if it so be that the children of men keep the commandments of God, he doth nourish them and strengthen them and provide means whereby they can accomplish the thing which he has commanded them. That's 1 Nephi 17.3. It wasn't Nephi's strength that was important, but his willingness to follow the Lord. We should trust in the Lord's power and grace and not our own abilities. Nephi and his brothers returned to Jerusalem and attempted to obtain the brass plates. Laman made the first attempt. He went to Laban and asked him for the plates. Laban called him a robber and threatened to kill him. Nephi's brothers were ready to quit after just one try. Nephi, at this point, gave his first exhortation to his brothers. This is in chapter 3, verses 15 through 21. He began by telling them, As the Lord liveth, and as we live, we will not go down unto our father in the wilderness until we have accomplished the thing which the Lord hath commanded us. Wherefore, let us be faithful in keeping the commandments of the Lord. Nephi's wording, as the Lord liveth and as we live, was a most solemn oath. Anciently, a person would rather die than violate an oath that invoked the life of the Lord as well as his own life. Nephi's concern that they preserve the words of the prophets will be borne out when we learn about the people of Zarahemla. They lost both their language and their faith because they brought no sacred records with them to the Promised Land. The brothers then made their second attempt. They returned to their abandoned home, collected their father's wealth, returned to Jerusalem, and tried to exchange their possessions for the plates. Laban seized their property, kicked them out, and sent his slaves to kill them. The brothers fled from the city and hid in a cave, where Laman and Lemuel began to speak many hard words unto us, their younger brothers, and they did smite us even with a rod. An angel then appeared and rebuked Nephi's brothers. The angel told Laman and Lemuel that the Lord hath chosen Nephi to be a ruler over you because of your iniquities. This would be a reversal of the typical family structure in the ancient Near East, where the oldest brother held authority over the younger ones. Nephi then gave them his second exhortation. This is in chapter 3, verse 31 through chapter 4, verse 3. He responded to his brother's complaint that Laban can command 50, yea, even he can slay 50, then why not us? By exhorting them to trust in the Lord, who is mightier than Laban and his 50, yea, or even his tens of thousands. He used the same imperative that he used in his first exhortation, let us be faithful. Nephi again invoked the example of Moses in urging his brothers to trust that the Lord would deliver them. Acting alone, Nephi made a third attempt to obtain the plates. And I was led by the Spirit, he wrote, not knowing beforehand the things which I should do. Making his way through the streets of Jerusalem at night, Nephi happened upon Laban, who was passed out from intoxication. 
This is one of the most difficult stories in all of Scripture. When he wrote his story, Nephi himself knew his readers would be concerned about the morality of his actions, and he wanted them to understand that what he did was justified.